You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest is the longest serving CEO in Silicon Valley. He's an entrepreneur, investor, and author. He has also been at the forefront of the semiconductor industry for years. What is a semiconductor? Let's ask him. Welcome to the show, Raymond. How are you, Raymond? What is a semiconductor? One, well, you know, back in the in the um, late fifties, you know, when the semiconductor industry started in nineteen fifty-seven, I mean, they were using vacuum tubes. A vacuum tube is pretty big. It's it's anywhere from maybe an inch and a half, maybe to to uh, two to three inches long, and uh, and big around. I mean, if it's an inch, maybe an inch in diameter. Mm. And that is the way electronics was done back prior up until semiconductors were invented in, in the uh, in the fifties. Uh, so uh, a semiconductor is is made on silicon. Right. It's a it's a wafer that's uh, you know up to twelve inches in diameter and and maybe one hundred twenty five mils thick. Uh, and it's a uh, or maybe two maybe a quarter inch thick actually at that, at that big a diameter. But they're very tiny little devices, and, and, and they're getting even smaller, that allow these electronic uh, circuits to be done in miniature. And so if you, if you think of, a, of a, a circuit being a breadboard of, of a lot of separate components, mm-hmm. a semiconductor condenses those down into a very, very tiny uh, little device called a chip. And, and it's, it's that people call them chips, actually. Uh, and they they do every function you can think of from from memory to computing to uh, power management uh, to all sorts of of different um, ways of of implementing electronic algorithms uh, and uh, and it's amazing so uh, back when I was going to college uh, we had the IBM 360 uh, and it used to be kind of like a like a half of a wall. In, in my classroom was the computer. Mm. Well, that entire computer can be done now on, in a watch, size of a watch, like an Apple watch. You can, you can have almost the same power as that big, huge wall size computing computer done now in as small as a watch. It's fascinating. In fact, yeah. back, back when I was a, a youngster, they, there used to be a cartoon called Dick Tracy and Dick Tracy I know that one, had yeah. this, had this little watch and it had a little little lead that went up his shoulder, which was his antenna. Yeah. And, uh, and and so he used to talk into his watch and and he communicated. Well, we do that now. It's Only incredible. we don't need the long antenna, okay? But uh, we actually can, you can talk to your watch, you know, uh, any of those uh, those uh, smart watches. You, mm. you can actually get your email on. You can, you can, have, you can have a phone call on it. And uh, it's, it's quite uh, amazing. It is amazing. So how did you actually get into the industry originally? So uh, I, when I graduated in, in 1960, um, I wanted to be an astronaut. So I went, I joined United Technology designing rocket motors. And uh, when, I, when I married my wife in 61, her father uh, started working for a company called Fairchild. Mm. And Fairchild is one of the very, you know, early, semiconductor companies uh, in, in Silicon Valley. It wasn't called Silicon Valley in those days, but, uh, but he was working there. And he says, man, this is a fantastic industry, fantastic opportunities. You ought to come over here. So I decided I wasn't going to be an astronaut anyway. So I joined uh, Fairchild in, in 1963. 
So um, I've been in the industry, since, uh, semiconductor industry since 1963. So it's only like seven years after the industry, or six years after the industry actually started. Wow. Uh, so I was there from the very, very beginning and probably now I'm the longest, I'm the oldest uh, semiconductor uh, person in the world. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's been in it longer than I have. That's incredible. Uh, I, I probably, Maybe there may be a couple, but not very many people have been in the industry longer than I have. So uh, it's my, my wife's father is the one that, that convinced me to come to Fairchild and, and, and get into the semiconductor industry. That's amazing. What would most people not know about working in Silicon Valley? Because I think that we well, all, a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about what it's all about and what happens there. Okay, so Silicon Valley, uh, the name really came into being when Intel started in about 1967. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so I think it, it, the name Silicon Valley got kind of picked up by a newspaper called The Wagon Wheel. It was a kind of a rag sheet uh, uh, on, on the industry. Uh, and that, that was in either 67 or 68, they called it Silicon Valley because most of the high performing semiconductor companies were in Silicon Valley or in, in the Bay Area. Well, Bay Area, Silicon Valley's really, you know, in the, in the early days kind of went from Menlo Park down to San Jose, right. California. And, and so uh, uh, that, that's where it got, kind of geographically, it got its name. About 20 miles south of San Francisco is, is Menlo Park. And then down to San Jose is another, you know, 20 or 30 miles. So it was that geographical area from Menlo Park to San Jose that became known as Silicon Valley. Mm. So uh, uh, it, it became a really a high tech hub, a lot of venture capitals on, on Sand Hill Road and Palo Alto uh, became kind of the, the, you know, the, the hub of, 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 of venture capital money uh, that started a lot of these companies. And, uh, and so uh, it, it just attracted a lot of really key engineering talent into, into that area. Uh, and so uh, most of the semiconductor companies, because of the, of the government regulations, have moved out of Silicon Valley. Right. And so it's more software valley than Silicon Valley. People like Google and, and Facebook and, and um, um, Hewlett Packard and, you know, companies that are more software or, you know, uh, Oracle. Mm. Uh, th those are more software companies. So if you really want to think about Silicon Valley, you'd have to think more like Software Valley now. Uh, it's still a hubbub of, of high tech, uh, still a lot of uh, very, you know, you know, qualified and very in, in, in innovative people still live there and, and are starting companies still. And so it's, a, it's still quite a, quite a hubbub of, of, uh, of technology and a lot of areas around the world are trying to duplicate what we're doing in Silicon Valley but they've not been successful. No. Well, maybe in Utah, they, they, there's some in Utah that are doing quite well, but it's primarily, uh, uh, they haven't been able to catch up to Silicon Valley yet. A friend of mine in, uh, here in Australia, actually in Adelaide, has just gotten a job with Facebook. So once things normalize a little again, she's going to be moving over there, which I mean, to someone like me, just sounds like it's so amazing to be able to get that opportunity. I'm so jealous. Now, you, you've been the CEO and founder of, is it Micrel? 
Mm-hmm. Micro Semiconductors for 37 years and have launched the Zin Starter Program for colleges around the country and also written books. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So I first, I wrote the book called Tough Things First. I wrote it in 1917. I think we launched uh, uh, the, the book, uh, 1970, what am I saying? 2017, 19, 2017, we launched uh, uh, the book Tough Things First. And no, no, what am I thinking? 2015. Huh. Yeah, you don't look that old. In 2015, <laughs> I launched the book called Tough Things First. And what, what Tough Things First is about is like eating the ugly frog first thing. What I, what I learned uh, when I started my company is, is to do all those things that no one, you know, no one likes to do first thing every day. Get them out of your way. You know, t- do the, the stuff that, that you hate to do. And then the rest of the day just flies by because we always love to do the fun things. Okay. So exactly. I call it loving the things you hate. So if you can learn to love the things you hate, then you just are so much more efficient. You get so much more done. And I can literally tell you, Anthony, that there's nothing that I don't like to do. I mean, I, I don't whether it be picking up paper off the floor or vacuuming or, or, or just any mundane task. I've learned to love it mm-hmm. because I've just learned to do things that, that, I didn't like to do early on, you know, when I was yeah. growing up, um, being the oldest of 11 children, of course, I had to help around the house. So I did get a, a head start on, on becoming a disciplined person. Mm. And discipline is doing what you don't like doing and doing it well. So that's that loving the things you hate. So the book came out in 2015. It's, a, it's, a, it's really a book that's being picked up by several universities uh, and part of their entrepreneur and leadership training program. Well, when I, when I launched the book, the schools asked me to start helping teach classes. And what I learned was, is that mostly students don't know anything about running a company. And, and so nine out of 10 startups fail because of this. And so I started a program called Zen Starter, which I fund the, the, the various universities. Uh, not a lot of money, but you know, give, them a, give them a chunk of money. And then they form a board of directors within their school students. And then the students kind of judge the, the, the pitches that the students make so they can get some of that money to help start their company. <clears throat> so they have to sell their board of directors at the school on their, their idea of a company. And, and if the board of directors accepts it, then Zenstarter then helps fund the, the company. What a great idea. Uh, and, and so they're learning how to start a company while they're still in school. Mm. So you have to be in school full time in order to be uh, to be uh, uh, eligible to, to get Zen Starter. And, and so Zen Starter is in about six schools now. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's grown to the point where they're actually doing videos for training because of, of the coronavirus. Yeah. These kids are now doing it offline. And so they're trying to come up with training videos so that these kids can can learn how to, to start companies uh, on, on different subject matters that, that students need to know about when you run a company. Mm. And, and so that's what Zenstar is all about. We're helping get their online programs going, helping fund their, uh, their, their ideas. And it's really good. I mean, the kids are just going wild over it. In fact, it's really helped out these schools that have got Zenstarter because it's attracted a lot more students. In other words, yeah. when the word gets out that they can get this money, then they, they join the, they, that, that university that's got that program because entrepreneurship 
is a very popular uh, 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 program now in, in almost every university in the country. Yeah, that's actually amazing. It's almost like having their own version of Shark Tank. It is. Yeah. It, it, it is just like Shark Tank, but it's run by the students. That's amazing. With, 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 with faculty advisors, faculty yeah. advisors. Great initiative. I love that. Now, Ray, during all these achievements, you were also having issues with your eyesight. How did you cope and continue to rise? Well, it was very devastating at first. I had a vein occlusion, which blocked the, you know, the blood flow and it caused damage to my retina. I used to be a pilot, actually, and, and so I had to sell my airplane. Mm. And uh, I just had to learn to adapt to not being able to see well. I can't drive. I don't, I don't see well enough to drive. Uh, but what I learned is I learned it to, to depend on people. Mm. And so, you know, you can only give as much love as you're willing to receive. And I had to learn to receive love from others. And once I did, then I'm willing to give, give that love back. Exactly. Um, and so it made me more people conscious, more, more, uh, uh, I think a better CEO because I was more empathetic and, 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 uh, was, was able to really communicate better with with people because i was more dependent on them as opposed just to being this you know outstanding ceo that could see well i had to learn to depend on other people to to help me and and people really like that they really they really uh, appreciate uh uh you know being part of growing the company and helping me uh, run the company yeah i think empathy goes a long way in any business it really does and i think if um a CEO, a manager, or whoever you may be, doesn't have empathy for their employees and the situations they may be going through themselves, it really does jeopardize the success because you're only as strong as your people. And if they're not functioning well, then you're not gonna have much luck. And obviously that's why you've been around for so long now. <laughs> it's worked for you. Well, you know, I, um, if you look at a company, it's, it's brick and mortar, and, and then there's people. And it's, it's not the brick and mortar that makes the company successful or their equipment, it's, their, it's the people. Yeah. And so uh, I became a real people person. Once I lost my vision, I became very, very, you know, like, you know, amenable to, to, to asking for help and, mm. and, and, uh, and, and willing to, to take suggestions and ideas. And, and my employees loved it. We had the lowest turnover in the entire industry. And, and that was, I think, the key to the success of me being a CEO for so long was the fact that, that my, my people, we had a very high retention rate with, with the people. People, if they left the company, they would want to come back. I mean, half the people left my company came back wow. because they just, they, they like the atmosphere. They like the, 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 the culture of the company. Yeah. If you've got a good workplace, then when you leave, you definitely know what you're missing after you've left. Exactly. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe to Ants Talk. Now, you, in effect, are responsible for inventing the wafer stepper. What actually is it? Okay, so the wafer stepper allowed um, the, well, it's a, the, the concept of it is it's a, it's a projection system that um, allows you to, to, to image very small feature sizes on the silicon. So up until the wafer stepper, we were limited to about, uh, 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 let's see, a thousand nanometers was about, let's see, no, hundred nanometers was about as, as small a feature as we could do uh, without the, the stepper. So the stepper allowed us to get down 
to the feature sizes and you know like 10 nanometers 15 nanometers uh and and so it it's it without the stepper there's no way we could be building these small devices that we do today and with the speeds that they can operate mm. so this the wafer stepper is probably one of the most important pieces of equipment that the industry has to to make these very very small and very fast and powerful uh, semiconductor devices you must be very proud of yourself i not I, I try not to be you know i mean it's uh, i i'm very fortunate uh, I, I'm a creator. I'm an inventor. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I hold over 20 patents, uh, or maybe close to 30 patents. And, and so uh, I like to invent things. And so the wafer stepper was one, probably one of my key inventions that I did. And it's still, you know, today it's, it's one of the more dominant pieces of equipment in, in our industry. Mm. So the company you've hailed for 37 years provides essential components for smartphones, consumer electronics, what would people be most surprised about the technology they hold in their hands every day? Well, it's, it's the power they can do. I mean, the fact that we now have something like a, a smart watch, uh, it, it, the, the feature size and the, and, the, and the size of these chips have gotten to the point where we can do so much, you know, with, with what we call artificial intelligence, mm. robotics, um, you know, it, it's, so I'd like to kind of shift a little bit in the conversation and talk about the importance of semiconductors. Yeah. Uh, so uh, semiconductors are the heart of electronics. They are the heart. And the country that, that dominates in semiconductors dominates electronics. And if you dominate electronics, you dominate the economy. Right. And, and, and what I think is important for countries to understand is how important semiconductor technology is for the advancement of their economies. I realize you're in Australia mm. and I don't know, you don't have a big semiconductor presence no. in, in Australia and you don't have a big electronics presence either, comparable, comparably speaking. So countries like China and Korea have, have gone, and Japan, have gone all out to acquire semiconductor technology because they know how important electronics is for their economies. Mm. Uh, and I think this country is finally beginning to wake up to the to how important that technology is and how proprietary it is to the growth of, of, of the U.S. economy. Uh, and so, you know, the, you're, you're going to see and have seen a lot of, of angst and, and concern over how much technology is, is being uh, pirated actually out of, out of, uh, out of the U.S., uh, to to these other countries, uh, because countries like China understand how important uh, semiconductor technology is to the advancement of the electronics industry. Mm. And as I mentioned, the country that dominates electronics also dominates economically. So the semiconductor is the the key, the very key to uh, electron or uh, 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 economic growth. Yeah, I agree. I think that's completely, uh, I mean, I already know from Australia, majority, we've got very, very low presence and it's because we do get majority of our products from China and we have for many years. Um, it's, you know, I mean, hopefully things are changing now because people are becoming, I think, more aware of that. But many of the other chip companies that never made it out of the downturns and economic changes why do you think yours has um, succeeded and continued on? 
You mean with all the different downturns we've had? Yeah, yeah. Well, that my my background um, is in economics, so I have a, a good economic background. Mm. Uh, and because I've been in in the industry so long, I've been able to model all of these different downturns, and and that allowed me then to get prepared. Because if you know in advance when a downturn is going to occur, you can make those preparations, those changes you need in order to advance your company. And uh, we went through eight downturns in, in the 37 years that I ran my Krell. So if you just did the math on that, you can see a downturn happens about every, you know, five, four to five years. Yeah. Because we went through eight of them. Uh, and so, you know, you, you just have to be ready for it. And a downturn lasts about, Oh, a year and a half to two years at the most. Okay. Mm. So, some of them have been as short as a year, but I'd say on average, about a year and a half is how long a downturn lasts. So, uh, you know, you just get ready for it. And, uh, and that's what we were genius about is our ability to prepare for a downturn. Yeah. And, and it did, it was, it really, really was the Holy grail to, to, to the success of, of my crown. That's great. Now, you, with those 20 patents that you do hold, are they just for semiconductor designs or for other things also? They're mainly semiconductor design, okay? Uh, uh, because that's what the uniqueness of, of the patents are, is yeah. they're, you're, they're, they're very unique ideas that I came up with in the design of a, of a component to give it a certain performance advantage over over the competition that was another advantage that that i think uh that um, my company had was that there as a ceo because i was very you know innovative and very you know inventive mm. uh that made me uh made the company quite successful intel is having a difficult time right now because their ceo is more of a financial guy yeah and so it's, it's it was hard for them to attract engineers still is okay whereas at our company we could attract some of the best talent in the world because my background is in technology and design. Mm. And so I was able to uh, come up with these. In fact, I always had a contest going between my engineers as to who could come up with the most patents. And, and so um, uh, I, I think I came in second or third among all the engineers and, and how many patents that I came up with in, in that time period. That's amazing. I love that. What is the one best thing you will take away from your, your career? How important people are, you know, uh, you know, that you have to be a servant leader if you're going to be a good leader. And so how can I help? That's, that's, that's the trademark of my crowd. I always, when somebody calls me, I say, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? Uh, and people love that. Uh, you know, if, if, you know, somebody were to, you to call somebody and they say, Anthony, how can I help you? you know, you, you immediately lighten up, you know, immediately exactly. get, you get excited. And, and so that was a, a very key thing for, for me is, is to be able to convey that culture at my crowd mm. is how can I help? What can I do to help? And everybody had that culture. And so when you have that kind of thinking where everybody's trying to help, what a wonderful place it is to work. Yeah. We didn't allow any vulgarity, no swearing, no condescending language. We made it like a home. We made it so that people felt safe when they came to work. You know, we didn't have any bad habits that we had to overcome like Uber did. You know, we just, mm. we just, uh, we just had a very wholesome and, and rewarding atmosphere for our people. And so what I learned is 
the, if, if I could just capsulize it in one thing, how uh, to love your people. Yeah. Love your people. It's funny because you don't find that a lot these days, people offering help. If anything, it's, you know, the advancement of life has sort of distracted us from that. So it's really good that you've kept that as the forefront in your business. I think that's amazing. Well, I mean, you, even in your business, okay, you know, you have to show that love toward the people you, you interview, mm. you know, because so then that opens them up. That gets them excited. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and you want to keep that, that, that love going because, you know, as they say, love makes the world go round. It does. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I guess what I, what I would say in my long, you know, standing CEO leadership is, is, is really showing love and loving my people, actually caring for them. So, and they felt, they felt cared for. And worthy. Mm. And worthy, yeah. Yeah. What does the future look like for you? Uh, me as a person? Or yeah, you, mean you as, as a person? person. I think the future looks fine. I'm retired, so to speak, with yeah. Sefer's Zen Starter. And I'm writing my third book. Uh, Something tells me, though, that you don't stop. You've got your finger in a few pies. <laughs> well, you know, even, even at my age, you know, you, you know if, if you retire, retire. Yeah. Your, your mind also retires. Yeah, yeah. So I write every day or at least two or three times a week, I'll write articles or I'll write in my blog. I mean, if you look in, look at the podcast, I do one podcast a week. Um, I, I, I do, I write articles. Uh, I just, you know, to try to help people and, and I get, I make no money. I mean, it's not a money-making thing. Yeah. It's more giving back. I mean, this didn't start, it cost me a, a fortune a year. Uh, you know, half a million dollars a year it cost me to run Zinstarter. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a chunk of change for me. Yeah. And, I, and it's not like I get anything financially back. It's just me the giving back, legacy, you know. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's me, me giving back. So in, in my life now, at my age, I got 22 grandchildren. I got 11 wow. great-grandchildren. Uh, and I've been married 59 years tomorrow i mean now wednesday uh, i'll be married 59 years uh and uh and so it's it's really giving back to uh to the community giving back to the schools giving back to the students you know zenstar has, hel has helped thousands of students uh and and so what we're trying to do is really just help you know mm. and you don't always have to make money doing it no you know, so it's, it's my turn in my sunset years, it's my turn to give back. And so until they put me in the box and put me in the ground, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Exactly. That's brilliant. Now, Ray, where can people find out more about you? Well, we have our, our uh, website is toughthingsfirst.com that you can find us there. Uh, so we, we write all the articles that I've written are, are, are posted there links to articles that are, other companies have, have written about me or, or articles that I've contributed to. Um, you, you just, these different links, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on Facebook, um, Twitter, you know, just all the standard, you know, ways that, that you, You're just social everywhere. media. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, you, I you love can it. Find. That's brilliant. Ray, thank you so much for sharing your story. Seriously. I think that Zinstarter is something that's, absolutely phenomenal because 
as you said, it's your way of giving back, but at the same time, the legacy that that leaves for so many people ahead for how many years we don't even know is absolutely phenomenal. And I think you should be very proud. Well, can I thank you for the time you've taken to interview me? Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolute pleasure. You're such a fascinating man. Well, and, and the way you've outlined your podcast is just brilliant. I mean, you, you. The, the, way, the way you've organized it is just, you've just done an outstanding job, Anthony. And Thank you. And, and I'm very, very proud to have been able to, to, to join with you on this podcast. It's and one of my passions. Thank you. It's one of my passions and it's purely the opportunities, my, the benefit for me to meet people like yourself. I just, I'm absolutely thrilled. Well, I hope I can help somebody. I'm sure you have already. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ray. I really appreciate your time and we'll speak soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank Bye you. Bye-bye. Ants Talk.